Hey, this is Pastor Devin. Thanks so much for joining us. I pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. All right, who's ready for some word? Well, first off, I also want to give a shout out to the ministry that we're doing at DeBerry at Riverbed, the Tennessee Women's Prison. If you guys could put your hands together for those men and women. We have an incredible ministry. I don't want to call it, I hate calling it prison ministry uh, because we're really, we're still ministering to people. Um, and we're believing that they won't always be prisoners, right? Uh, but even though they may not be able to leave where they are now, we're believing that God can free them on the inside. And so um, we are thankful for all the volunteers that are there. What you may not know is that sometimes you think you're going in there to minister to them and they end up ministering to you. You know, it is an incredible experience. So if you don't know who Teresa is, find her. She will find a place for you in, in ministry, all right? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read a couple of passages. Uh, if I were going to name this today, it would be called the Perception of Promise. And we're going to kind of look through uh, the promise through the eyes of Mary. And, and I'm just praying that the Lord would touch your heart today. Amen? Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, it said, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, y'all know what that means, right? To come together. We are here because our parents came together. Here we go. All right. Some of y'all got it. Some of y'all too spiritual. (laughs) She was found to be with a child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, this weekend was supposed to be really, really incredible, uh, not because of uh, obviously I had the opportunity to preach, but for months and months prior, my wife and I had planned to take my son to this thing called the Marvel Universe Live. Listen, and, and you know, I, I have a Marvel house. Anybody a Marvel household here? I love the Marvel Universe, right? I've seen every one of the movies, own almost every one of them. And so I had been storing this up for months and keeping it as a secret to my son. He had no idea this was coming up. And so we're driving around town, and he's like, where are we going? I'm hungry. I want to go home. And all these things that little eight-year-olds do, I'm like, dude, this is going to be so amazing. Just wait. Just wait. So my wife drops us off at Bridgestone, and he's like, why are we here at the arena? I'm like, you just wait here, buddy. We are going to the Marvel Universe live. And he's like, yeah! I'm like, uh, selfie, right? I mean, we're, we're living the dream. And so we get in the line. We're all there early. There's lines of kids there. They're out there selling toys. I mean, they had this sword that they were selling that lights up for $28. I said, son, let me tell you something. Do you want to go to college or do you want this sword? (laughs) Choose ye this day, right? And so we're waiting in line. I'm like, well, it's supposed to start at 7, and it's 6.30. That's not enough time for me to tell all these concession people no and find our seats at the same time. And so all of a sudden, this person in the front is like, they ain't having a show today. It's canceled. And I was like, what? So they let everybody in because it was cold outside. And we're all in this. We're all in, like, the foyer of Bridgestone. And the, and the person's like, yeah, we're having to cancel the show. And I'm looking around, and there's nothing but disappointed children. And mad parents. Come on. And I'm like, what is going on? 
And they're like, well, you know, we had some production concerns um, that we weren't sure that we we're going to be able to do the show. I'm saying, you better go get Black Panther or, or Captain America. He better get out here now or there's going to be some consequences and repercussions. But a lot of these kids told them they're going to see Marvel. We got nothing. My son was so bummed, and I'm like, buddy, I'm sorry, man. There are production issues, whatever that means, and uh, we'll have to come back tomorrow. But I begin to think about uh, our relationship with God. Like, how well do we really hold on to his promise when our situation is not great? If you're honest, we're not, we're not that good at that, if you're honest. We want things to be so perfect, and if we plan out our own life, it'd be just, there'd be no issues, no valleys, no peaks. It would just be just skipping along, plucking up flowers, and everything is great. But that's not how God operates. When we look at the passage of Mary, she was promised a Savior, but she received a scandal. You think about it, even today, a, a pregnant unmarried woman is not a favorable thing. Even today, it's 2018. Even today, teenage pregnancy is something that we frown upon. But can you imagine for a moment what Mary felt like? She's young. She's never, she told the, she told the angel, I've never known a man, angel. I don't know how this is going to happen, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll trust in you, right? And she's thinking to herself, now I, I am, I am, I'm not even quite Joseph and I haven't known each other, and, and now I have this child inside that you tell me is going to be the savior of the world, and everybody knows it. My husband's been acting strange towards me. When you continue to read the passage, uh, Joseph only stayed with her because an angel told him to. He was out of there. He was like, what? She about to have a baby, and it's not mine? I mean, this was a real Maury Povich moment. <laughs> Joseph, you are not the father. So all of these things are happening. She's like, God, you, you told me that you were sending a savior, but I'm smack dab in the middle of a scandal. And people talk behind her back. She probably had no idea. But can I tell you, do not assign the value of what's on the inside by what's on the outside. See, people were talking about her not knowing what was going to be birthed from her. And can I give a little encouragement to us people that there are going to be people that come through these doors, that worship with us, that may not, like, may not talk like you, may not look like you. Sometimes they don't even believe like you do, but they're in a great place even if they don't. Because we believe in the power of the life-changing gospel that we believe. This teenager, she didn't look much from the outside. Little old town. And, and she was even kind of amazed that the angel knew her name. Why me? I mean, I, I'm, I'm nobody. And God's like, listen, listen, don't confuse the vessel by what's on the inside. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine what that feels like for God to speak something over your life so amazing, so large, and you're just like, I know you don't make mistakes, Lord, but this one, there's probably some more qualified people than me. Anybody ever felt like that? Sometimes the Lord calls you to do something like, oh, you know what? That sounds great. Have you considered Devin? <laughs> Tell me, that guy's a rock star. I, yeah. But can you imagine criticizing this young woman knowing that she has what's on the inside of her is designed to deliver you? 
That's why I'm always so cautious about talking about people. Because there are sometimes you may be talking about a person that may birth a miracle that you benefit off of. They may not look apart, they may not smell apart, but I've been in situations where a person that I counted out speaks into my life, and I'm like, ain't that something? I needed that word. I needed that investment. I needed that opportunity. And God's saying, listen, don't confuse the vessel for what's on the inside. Can you imagine? Listen, listen, Jesus' miracle when he turned water into wine, that wine was inside of water containers in which people clean their hands in. And the, the Bible tells us that the, the, the person who threw the party said, y'all saved the best wine for the last. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the alabaster box that they broke that was worth a year's worth of wages over Jesus? That, that oil was more than the vessel. And then we have little lowly Mary from nowhere on the inside of her, the Savior of the world. I love that the Bible t- tells us that Joseph is a righteous man, and I believe this. This is my theology. Uh, The Bible tells us that Joseph didn't touch Mary the entire time of her pregnancy. That's righteousness right there. Some of y'all got that. Joseph was like, man, Jesus is in there. Hmm. Y'all, some of y'all really getting that. All the husbands like, man, woo, I know that baby is only eight weeks old, but uh, Joseph was righteous. Like, like people want to meet like Adam and Eve and like, why y'all destroy the earth? I want to meet Joseph and be like, man, how did you do that the whole time? Yep, man, you are righteous, brother. Teach me your ways, oh wise one. Years ago, I used to work in jewelry. Um. I sold jewelry, and I, and I loved it. My wife's ring, I actually, I, I didn't make it, but I picked out all the stuff. She didn't even know uh, I had picked it out, and so I was really nervous when I proposed to her because she hadn't seen it. Um, so I was happy that she said yes to both the ring and me. Um, but I, the, the store that I worked in, um, it, had a, it had a jeweler's bench in there, and so all the jewelers would be in there. And so every now and then I just poke my head in there because I'm always wanting to learn new stuff. And I used to watch them as they would make, like, custom rings. It always kind of made me like, oh, that is so nice. And so I was like, well, how, so what's the process like in getting the custom ring? They're like, well, well, we'll design it, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll make this wax mold, and then we'll pour another mold on the inside to make sure that it looks right, and then what we'll do is we'll pour the actual actual metal in there and I'd be like oh no that's crazy and I said so what would you so so what then happens to the mold it's like well well, we destroy the mold why it's custom we don't nobody else needs to have this ring that the customer paid for a custom ring the last thing you want is you give your wife a custom ring and her friend has the exact same ring that's a bad day fellas don't tell us custom if you just got it out the shelf I'm telling you let her know up front and so I started thinking about that. I'm thinking to myself, like, so, so, so you mean to tell me that the very thing that helped mold it gets destroyed because what's on the inside is more valuable than what's on the outside? Say, like, yeah. I say, like, huh, okay. So you, what you're telling me is that the mold is great for a season, but what's more important is what the mold makes. 
So here's what we need to know, young man, young woman. I know that this world tries to tell you what you're worth, but the Bible lets us know that God thinks that we're special, that we are made with a, pur- with a purpose, that when the Lord made you, when he made me, he broke the mold. Greater one lives on the inside. They broke the mold, they made the ring, and they discard the packaging. I love the fact that our value is not determined by just what we look like. There's, there have been people who have been counted out so many times because they didn't look the part. They didn't play the part. We have a Bible full of misfits that the Lord decides to use. He grabs a little girl and says, guess what? In about nine months, you're going to deliver a man who's going to save people from their sins. That is the type of God that we serve. You go on through the passage and you begin to see that Mary is going to deliver a baby in uh, less than perfect circumstances. She was promised a Messiah, but she was given a manger. You ever been in that situation where somebody promises? It's like a bait and switch almost. Like, yeah, we got this wonderful thing. And then that's, you know, no, that's not it at all. Mary, you're going to give birth to Jesus. Where? With animals. Nobody shouts on that. No, no, nobody's running around the building on that one, right? So here she is. Can you imagine what's going on in her mind? A a, a new mother. She's never done this birthing thing before. It's her and her husband. Her mom is not there to coach her through this thing. And she's thinking, I have got to do this all by myself, God. You got me in here with animals. You got me in. Joseph don't know what's going on. He's never been through this before. What is going on? I love the fact In this process, we can see a point that if you take hold of it, it can change your life, that you need to learn what the real smell of success is. See, success often smells like work. The successful people that you look for in the world don't always have these wonderful dreams on how everything came into place and how they're successful. There's a lot of ups and downs. It's like, hey, you know, we were here, and then we were here, and then we were down here. No one wants to share about the depressing years, right? Everybody wants to fast forward to the good years, but let me tell you, success is going to take some work. Why? Because giving birth to something will require you to be in places you'd rather not be. There are some times I'm saying, Lord, I want to do this. And he's like, yes, well, I need you to be in the manger for a little bit. I don't want to smell like animals. Let me tell you something. Shepherds smell like animals. You ever get around a shepherd that don't smell like an animal, they're probably a wolf. And so we see that God has placed her in a position where he wants her to be. And the reason why this is so important is because we have to realize how much God really doesn't need us as much as we think he does. There's been so many times where God wants to do something in my life, and I'm like, yeah, God, I can do that. And he's like, you're okay with that? But if you let me handle it, I can make it a lot better. But God, you know what? I, I took my test, my, my disc test, and it really says that I'm task-oriented, God. I can handle this. God's like, mm, not so much. I've grown into knowing this, that God doesn't need my help as much as I think he does. And this is where I see the principle that Mary used. 
In Luke 2 and 38, it says, Then Mary said, Truly, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you have said happen to me. Then the angel left her. What did Mary do? Mary was obedient. That is a key ingredient in God's will being done in your life, is you being like Mary. She said, I don't understand it. Don't make much sense to me. But because it came to me in an angel, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. And so many of us say, man, I want that. Man, if an angel came and talked to me, I'd do whatever the Lord told me. If an angel showed up and talked to me, I would do that. Well, we don't have an angel, but we have the word of God. And he gives us a lot of counsel, letting us know how we should respond when he gives us a promise. It's very important for you and I to understand the importance of obedience. That when we approach God and when God approaches us, he's not looking for reasons why you can't do something. He's looking for your yes. He's looking for an open heart. He's looking for somebody to say, God, our relationship is not contingent upon whether I understand you. Our relationship is contingent upon me understanding who you are. And once we begin to understand who you are, it really doesn't matter what you tell me because you're a God of promise. And if you tell me things, and no matter how crazy it is, you're going to actually fulfill them. Why? Because the Bible tells us that he's not a man, that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he has to repent. He also tells us that heaven and earth will, will pass away, but his word will remain. So if he's given you a promise, he's going to fulfill it. Mary understood that even at an early age, it behooved us to become like Mary and to be able to be obedient. One of the things I love, one of the stories that illustrates this really well is in 1 Samuel chapter 15, where God has delivered a message to Saul about what he should do when they win the war. He told him, listen, Saul, whenever you go in there and you capture everything, I want you to kill everything. I'm talking about, I, I don't want you to take any gold. I want you to kill the animals, everybody, obliterate everything. And Saul's like, cool, I got it. Now, if you're parents, you know how this goes. When you tell your child to do something, they go, you got it? They're like, got it. And they run away and they forget everything. Like, did I take the clean room? Oh, yeah, I just told you that two seconds ago. <laughs> but you know what? It's like husbands, too. I, I, I can't lie. My wife would be like, can you go upstairs in my purse? If you say in the purse, we're, we're, we're done. Don't make us go into the purse. It is a vacuum. An entire universe is in there. I'm not going to find it. And they go, it was right on the top, right there. But like, it wasn't. You have purse trolls. They hide stuff. So Samuel tells, I'm saying the purse trolls are real. Samuel tells Saul, kill everything. And so Samuel. They, they won the war. Saul's like, man, we're so successful. And Samuel goes, hey, Saul, you know, when we, we talked earlier and God said that we were supposed to kill everything, why do I hear the bleeding lamb? Hmm? Why do I hear animals right now? He says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Has the Lord as great and delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as an obedience to the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of lamb. See, what we want to do sometimes, we want to have a hand in God's miracle. God doesn't need your hand. He doesn't need your help to do a miracle in your life. All he needs you to do is be obedient. 
Why? Because in obedience, there's already sacrifice. There has never been anything the Lord has asked me to do that there wasn't some sort of sacrifice that is attached to. But I can't come to God with the sacrifice and say, hey, look what I did for you, Lord. Lord, I didn't ask you to do that. What I asked you is to do this. I asked you to give. I asked you to pray. I asked for you to say no to that situation that looks absolutely wonderful on the surface, but because I'm God and God alone, I know how it ends. But for so many of us, we're like we were, we're like Saul. We're just like, hey, that looked like a great opportunity for us because that's what he got caught up in. He was like, man, listen, man, these this, this these cows right here, these some good T-bone states. God just wants us just to just to kill them and to just burn them up. Have you seen them ribs, Lord? The gold. Look at the gold, Jesus. Look at all the gold and all the silver and platinum, Lord. Look at all that. We can give this to the kingdom, right? Look at this car, Lord. It's beautiful. People will be able to see that, that you're blessing me, even though I got to finance it for 150 years. But they'll see you're blessing me, Jesus. This house got no furniture, but this house is nice. And people will host small groups where we'll sit on the floor and sing kumbaya together. Lord, you're blessed. The Lord is like, no, what did I ask you to do? I need your obedience. I don't need you trying to create things on your own. Just be obedient. Now, I have found in my life that I would rather be in a manger with Jesus than in the best house on the block. I would rather be riding with Jesus in a go-kart than having no Jesus in a Rolls Royce. I have learned that my obedience is only going to draw me closer to God. What else happened to Mary? In Matthew uh, chapter 1 and verse 23, it says this. The virgin will be with child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. See, when we read the Bible, the temptation is to say, well, why does Jesus have two names? I thought the angel told Joseph to call him Jesus. Joseph, you're being disrespectful. His name is supposed to be Emmanuel. And then you start thinking, well, is that his middle name? Or is it Emmanuel Jesus? We try to bring it together and be like, oh, okay. It's, well, it's actually both. One is a proper name, which is Jesus. The other one is a description of who he is to us, that God is with us. See, Mary, she was promised help, but she received hope. Here she is in a manger, newborn, surrounded by her husband and animals, and everything's not looking right. And she was probably wondering where God is. Can I tell you that it is totally possible to be in the middle of God's will and not be aware of it? It is totally possible for God to be at work and you not even know. It is totally possible that God has already taken care of the situation before you ever knew it was a problem. And how do we know this? In Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 14, we won't read it all, but the sum of it is this, is that while Mary is giving birth to Jesus in a field, there are shepherds who received a message from angels that a Savior was born. And in that same scripture, we see shepherds and angels giving praise to a baby 
that would change the course of humanity. But you know who couldn't see that? Mary. She was in a manger. Looking at her situation. Wondering if it's going to get better. God, I got to be honest. Since you gave me this word, my life has gotten worse. Anybody ever been in this situation? God speaks something, and then you go into work and be like, we laying off. You're like, wait a minute. The Lord just told me about all the wonderful things that we, me and him going to do. Now I don't have the income to do it, right? God, you told me that everything was going to be all right, but I came back from the doctor, and the doctor said it wasn't going to be all right. But God is saying, where you are is exactly where I want you to be. Just because you don't feel the goosebumps doesn't mean I'm not there. So they're Mary in the manger, and the shepherds are going ham in the field, and they're on their way. What Mary didn't know is that there was a caravan of wise men on their way with everything they would ever need. Gold, frankincense, and CK1. No, I'm just kidding. They had everything that she needed and everything that the baby would need. It's amazing. Why? Because what you see isn't all to be seen. That just because you don't see it right now doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you can't perceive it right now doesn't mean a miracle is not taking place. Just because you haven't received the end promise does not mean it's not on the way. So many of us get so caught up, especially in this season. You know, one of the things that personally, personally I don't like is when people ask me, well, really what I want for Christmas. Now, I don't mind my wife asking because that's my wife. We're together all the time. She knows me really well. But I don't really like asking it because it's, it's not like I'm in need of anything. Truthfully, I use Christmas for the times where I want you to buy the really expensive thing because I don't want to spend my own money. I could get it, right? But here we have this young lady who is in a season of her life where she really needs the Lord to show up, then guess what? All she sees is a manger. But yet she is smack dab in the middle of God's will. I love this because it's best illustrated right there in Kings chapter 6 and verse 17. We have Elisha there and his servant. And they're in the middle of King Aram and his army. And the king of Israel at the time does not have enough soldiers to fight this battle. It's kind of like when you know that something's going to be automatically drafted from your account and you realize that amount's not there. Anybody ever been there in life? I've been there in life before. Let me tell you, it's not a great time to be. And so it's like we don't have the resources to be able to fight this battle. Like, I love you, God, but what I'm looking at, don't look too great. Like, God, we're cool and everything, but an extra half million dollars would be awesome, right? And be like, God, you're so great, but being healed would be absolutely amazing right now, God. And so what does Elisha tell this frightened servant? He tells him, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know what we need in this season? We need God to open up our eyes. 
Because the temptation is for us to look at what we don't have and let that be our perception instead of the promise that God has given us. See, while I was at that uh, Bridgestone Arena and my son is pretty much melting down and I'm trying to pull him together and I'm telling them, hey, buddy, you, you better pull us together because you may not go at all if you continue doing this. I begin to realize that the challenge was is that it wasn't that he didn't believe it could happen, but he wasn't believing me. And that happens so many times with God is that God's given us the promise and we're like, well, God, I don't see it now. All I can see is a dirty manger that stinks. And God is saying, you're forsaking the promise. Well, what is the promise? This is what Mary had to hold on to. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 32, the angel tells her this. He will be great. How many of you know we serve a great God? There is nothing he cannot do. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. You just need to know that he's great. Your confession needs to be that, God, I'm not going to be fooled by what I've seen, what I've done, what I'm experiencing. You're a great God. You're a good father. You have a lot of power, and you've never lost. That you're the son of the Most High. Oh, you're the second person of the Trinity. The book of John tells us that you created everything that everything is held together because of you. Oh, yes, you are the son of the only living God, the firstborn amongst many brethren. Oh, you're Jesus Christ. You are the lamb of God. Your throne, the throne of his forefather, David. Mary understood this because she was a Jewish girl. And the Jewish prophecy always said the Messiah would come David's lineage oh God you are a God of your word she had the promise on the inside of her when the angel told her that that she would be birthing that miracle and I love 33 it says he will rule over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end our God is eternal because our God is eternal his words are eternal. That means that the promise that he has given us has to come true. It has no choice but to be true. So I'm here telling you today that no matter what your situation looks like, it's just a perception. The truth is in his promise. And I know we're heading into Christmas and we want to buy gifts for everybody. We want to make sure that everybody's happy and you're looking at your bank statement and you're looking at your bills and you're looking at everything that's going on and uh, things just don't make sense and maybe stuff in the family's not happening quite right and the enemy's trying to change your perception. But I believe that in this moment that God is beginning to shift what you don't see into what you can see. That God can open your eyes what his promise is for you today. And that promise for you today is that you would have a growing, loving, flourishing relationship with your father. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, you're so tender with us. That you suffer with us, God. And God, I'm thankful that you're a God that you do not lie. That whatever you tell us, God, has no choice but to come to pass. And your word to us, Lord, says that if we would confess you as our Lord and Savior, that you would receive us into your family. That you would change our eternal destination forever. And if you're in here and you're unsure about your eternal destiny, it's not based upon what you have done. It's not based upon your worth. We we realized earlier that it's not about the container, but it's what's inside the container. God desires to live on the inside of you today. And if that's your reality and what you want, you can just raise your hand right there in your seat. Right there in your seat. You can have a relationship with the almighty God that you don't have to await to give birth to something that that can happen instantaneously right now. You can have new life today. If that's you, lift your hand. We're not going to have you come up here. I'm just going to pray for you right there, right there in your seat. I believe God can touch you. Maybe you're in a situation where you need God to change your perspective. That stuff just is not right. And you don't see the answer. You don't know how you're going to make it through. I want to pray for you that God can begin to change your perception. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to raise your hand. I want to pray for you that God can begin, thank you, that God can begin to touch your perception of what he's doing in your life. There are angels right around us right now rejoicing. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Maybe you've taken some time off from God. Maybe you're wondering if he wants you back. He does. I think today would be a great day. If that's you where you felt like you've wandered from God a little bit, today's a great day to come back home. If that's you, lift your hand. I want to pray for you. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone. It matters that you're here now. That you listened to the Holy Spirit that said you need to come back today. And you made that choice and God is going to breathe new life on you today. So God, I thank you for every lifted hand in this place, God. That somebody has trusted in you, God. And they're putting their faith in Jesus. In whom our hope does not disappoint, God. I thank you, Lord, that you've done that. And for that individual to say, hey, I want to come back to you now, God. We're thanking you for that new life today. That individual who does not know what's going to happen to them, God. That that situation doesn't look great. God, we're thanking you for changing their perception, God. That they can see the chariots of fire, God. They can see the angels ascending and descending, God. That they can recognize that, Jesus, you are right where they are today, God. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. How about this? How how about we stand up and begin to thank God for what he's doing in this place? How about we lift up a praise for God that somebody has become new in Jesus, somebody has rededicated their life, that somebody's perception has been changed forever. How about we lift up a praise to God? If you want, you can clap your hands. God, we thank you for what you're doing today, God. We honor you, God, for meeting us where we are, God. We thank you that our manger is not the end, God, but it's just a starting point for what you're going to do in our life today. God, we honor you, and we thank you, and we give you all the praise. 
in Jesus' name. Let's shout amen together. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at Wilson Central High School at either 9 or 11 o'clock a.m. I'll look forward to seeing you there.